The trail I'm walking on is all up. The builders have created a super path replete with stairs heading up a canyon on switchbacks, but sometimes it just goes straight up. I'm breathing heavy, but I'm moving strong. The saguaro accompanying me up the steep face. Mount Wrightsville is far off in the distance, and I can hardly believe I've covered so much ground. I've climbed many mountains, but this has a strange, vulnerable feeling. I can't quite say why. The absolute exposure to sheer drops so high above the desert it feels like flying. Or maybe it's the sheer size of the wilderness that makes me feel tiny and insignificant. I'm never in danger at any edge. It's more the vastness and being suddenly above the saguaro, seeing down to their rounded tops. Distance is all relative, and no mile is created equal. I feel I'm working hard and moving fast, but I don't seem to get very far. Wrightsville may be far in my past, but it's a long way on this ridge to the next mountain face, and I begin to wonder if there's even enough light in the day to keep climbing. You're listening to the Blissful Hiker Podcast. I'm Allison Young, the Blissful Hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. My goal in sharing stories of walking long-distance trails as a solo, female, middle-aged, titanium-reinforced hiker is to empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. Even from the alley coop, I see the morning star and the sky lightening just so, indicating it's time to break camp. I'm so lucky Tamara gave me tent stakes. They pretty much pull right out as I tighten the guy lines, but having them in place makes it easier to load up rocks and keep the tent secure. Tamara also gives me an orange, which I eat while packing up. I return the topical gel that's helping my muscles relax, and I write thanks in the sand before heading toward magic camp. I'm hoping to get a real breakfast in three miles from a couple who has been letting all of us know they're here with food, water, charging stations, and camping. What more could a hiker want? Everything feels much further than it is. I'm walking the Arizona Trail, and I've just left Colossal Cave, and it's beautiful and unusual here. A clash of biospheres, Chihuahuan and Sonoran, and a mix of geology, including a limestone injection, hence the cave, among many others, making ridges, canyons, gullies, ravines, and swales a geologist's dream. Not only that, this unique place is home to half the animal species known to live in Arizona— and that includes the raccoon-like Hawati Mundi, whose sassy rump I saw on trail, its striped tail a swaying question mark. It's saguaro, barrel, and prickly pear, plus okatillo with just now red flowers like flags at the end of fanciful stalks. Far in the distance is a white square. Perhaps that's magic camp. I move with purpose, thinking of the scene from Lawrence of Arabia when the man falls from his camel and walks as far as he can before the sun rises. I love the icy chill of the morning, but it doesn't last, and soon the sun burns down, and there's not much wind today. The White Hump is indeed the magic camp, and I'm welcomed by barking dogs. 
Deborah shushes them and invites me into the enormous screened-in tent. She's probably my age, long gray hair and a radiant smile. Breakfast has already begun, so I wash up at the soap station, then dig into watermelon slices and a banana. King Arthur is here, a bearded young man with thick, wild hair, plus Jeff, middle-aged and clean-cut. Hugo from France is taking a day off, and Jim, Deborah's husband, rounds out the group. I'm served pancakes with Nutella and blueberries as we talk about the trail. The two got involved when they helped raise money for some ride-over contraptions at the gates. Rather than open and close a stock gate, bikers and hikers can simply walk over. We tell stories about hiking and we're warned the rangers are strict on permits in the park. Fortunately, Jeff has one for Grass Hut. I really want to aim for Manning, but he adds me to his permit just in case. Deborah also warns us once we begin to see lizards, that means the snakes are out. Also, when the prickly pear bloom, it's time to leave the desert during the day because it's too hot. They've run out of bacon and Deborah gives me hers. And we all laugh about how hard they tried to make some vegan hikers coming through happy and finding it far too much work. I give them both hugs before I go, so grateful I made it on their very last day. I start off first, marching on mostly flat ground, but a trail that winds around as it works its way to the mountains. When I mention to Jim that this winding mountain bike trail feels relentless, he tells me it's built this way to preserve the land, mostly because the monsoon will destroy everything in its path. Several bikers pass congratulating me on hiking the AZT. And it's hot now. Feels more and more like Lawrence of Arabia under the Saharan sun. Arthur catches me up and we sing Here Comes the Sun together, the Sonoran singers with four miles to the first water. I drink and drink, not having to pee yet and knowing I need more than I think. Someone left orange powder in the hiker box and it tastes pretty awful, but it does have electrolytes, so I drink it. Rincon Creek is in a deep wash and running beautifully clear through bright green algae. Jeff catches up and we sit under umbrellas to fill up. After here, it's the national park with permits required for the two sites on the mountain. I push ahead thinking I have it in me to climb 4,000 feet. And the trail heads right up into giant saguaro cactus. They're completely mesmerizing. Giant, for one thing, but comical and fascinating. It's not lost on most of us that they look human, a troop of soldiers marching up the mountain. But they come in all sorts of contorted shapes. The arms are almost like separate plants bulging out of long, straight stalks. They seem as if eyes, or boobs, or some fuzzy growth. The classic look is for these to branch up in praise or a touchdown, though many get so long they hang down and curl like an inviting, if pokey, swing. I laugh with delight passing each one, one directing traffic, one making a peace sign. I gradually catch up to three backpackers who are headed to Manning, and I ask if I might join their permit. Andrew, Trevor, and Chris are birding and out just for a night. They seem sanguine on any possibility of a ranger hassling me, but agree to let me join them. But I lose them right away at the next water. Beautiful and clear remaining pools on smoothed rock. I could sit here in the water all day. 
but it's more than 10 miles and 4,500 feet of climbing ahead. I eat some Doritos picked up at the Magic Camp, then fill up myself and my bottles with this gorgeous water laced with orange electrolyte. It's rocky with exposed, shapely stone. Bright yellow brittlebush accent the path. It's hard to see where I'm going since I complete a section, only to have it open up to more higher mountain above. But soon I come over a summit, and then follow a ridge line that goes up and up, sidling the mountain, open and airy. I meet a crew building these magnificent stairs with hand tools. They give me courage, though they say it's still a good pull to the first camp. I lose the saguaro completely, but my views are tremendous to faraway ranges. I skip the final pools of water, knowing there's more in two miles at the camp. But the trail worker was right. It's a hard pull up and up some more. But I move well and control my breathing along rock outcroppings into a canyon. But I'm absolutely fooled by the distance. Hard work doesn't mean you advance all that far, and a sign indicates there's still nearly a mile to the first camp. Funny, though, that it's not uphill that tires me. It's down, especially on crumbly rock with big drops. It's here I realize I not only don't have the daylight, but for certain I don't have the energy for any more climbing. The clincher is a babbling brook running right through camp, shaded by oak trees with inviting flat sights. I need this right now, to arrive at camp early, soak my feet and make dinner, organize my things, and to just enjoy. Honey Bear is already here, a section hiker who will head back down tomorrow. He gives me two of his steaks and shows me the bong he made from a bear-shaped honey bottle. <laughs> Arthur arrives soon, and they join me in my creekside idol for dinner and a chat. Jeff is much later, exhausted by the climb. The creek and a bit of wind are lulling me to sleep. Moon shadow of oak leaves dance on the tent. What a lucky day of new friends, shared meals and shared permits, and my strong legs and lungs. Tomorrow is going to be a killer, but I'll be ready after a deep sleep. You can subscribe to Blissful Hiker wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a review on Apple that helps other people discover the show. Blissful Hiker is on Patreon right now. You can support the show financially as a patron. Help me get on trail to collect sound and create these stories. You can find a link to Patreon in the show notes or at blissfulhiker.com. Next week, it's up and over Mount Micah with the terrain changing as if I climbed from Mexico all the way to Canada. Until then, my friends, kia kaha and happy trails. <laughs> <laughs>